Welcome to It's a Good Life, a podcast dedicated to helping you live your best one. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, top of the morning to you. Welcome to It's a Good Life with Brian Buffini. Just recorded a couple days ago an interview with my good friend Dave Ramsey, and Dave was launching his brand new book, The Baby Steps Millionaire. And uh, I just wanted to add a few things onto that interview. Dave and I know each other a long time, and I thought also I could maybe throw my own perspective on a few things post-pandemic and why I think there's some fundamental things that are taking place right now that you need to position your finances for. So three things I want to cover with you. One is the fundamentals still work. That's, that's what Dave Ramsey talked about. The second I want to talk about is a little bit behind the scenes, which is why Dave Ramsey's successful as a person, as a businessman, and kind of give you some of those insights. He doesn't particularly like talking about himself and his own success, but I'm going to share with you some things as a student of success, as a guy who knows him, knows his company well. I thought I'd give you some insights so that you know it's not something mysterious or magical. And then lastly, in light of the new world we live in, how do your finances currently serve you? And I thought uh, this would be nice I'd just spend a few minutes with you, I'd give you a few thoughts, and really would accentuate what I covered with Dave. So the fundamentals still work. I, if you listen to the interview I did with Dave, obviously he's speaking from experience. He's been at it 30 years. He's had millions and millions of listeners uh, take action on his courses, on his programs, on his books, on his uh, training systems, and they have seen the test of time of people who've cut up all their credit cards, got out of debt, and put themselves in a position to become uh, well-heeled financially. And the seven same baby steps that he's taught for 30 years he still communicated on our podcast. And again, everybody wants sexy and new and next, and I do too, by the way, and it makes it kind of fun and interesting. But at the same time, the fundamentals are the fundamentals for the reasons there are no new fundamentals. You know, there's no new gravity, right? There's no new law of cause and effect. These are fundamentals. And so saving a thousand bucks in an emergency fund, it's a fundamental, ho-hum, boring, boring, everybody's heard it. Yet, you know, a little insight into it, less than 50% of Americans have a 1000 bucks set aside in a savings account for an emergency. So it might be boring, and it might be blasé, and it might not be sexy, but if less than 50% of people have it, then it tells me that fundamental is not in place. And if you do not have a 1000 bucks set aside in a separate account for an emergency, in case of emergency, break glass fund, you are at great risk, at great risk. Next. Pay all debt off except for your house. Now, again, people in our modern world, they blow torch at Dave Ramsey. Gosh, it's so old school. It's like grandma's financial advice. Well, let's talk about it. Here's how people rationalize it. Oh, debt is so cheap. Debt is so cheap. The money is so cheap. I'm able to take my money and invest it and grow it and so on and so forth. And that all sounds great. What does the average person do with debt is they support their lifestyle. And yes, the rates are low, and yes, the credit cards are less expensive than they were, but they're still crazy expensive. So paying off all your debts except for your house is a fantastic way. Now, that's a baby step. That's a big one, and it takes a while. And like Dave talked about, sometimes it takes a few years. Saving three to six months of expenses for emergencies, and he called it grandma's emergency fund, right? So even Dave is falling prey to the brand about himself, even if you will. But let me say this. Less than 15% of people in America have three to six months reserves. So it puts you in very, very top level performance for your own personal finances. 
if you have three to six months of your expenses sitting in a reserve account. Next, invest 15% of your income into retirement. Now, where Dave and I will talk about, you know, he, Dave still talks about mutual funds and things like that. And I'm not a big fan of mutual funds anymore. I really think their time has come and gone. I think they're expensive. I think they're cumbersome and clumsy. But I think ultimately a 401k, absolutely the best vehicle still out there for the average person to invest in. At Buffini and Company, we have a huge participation. In fact, we get an award every year from our company that serves our 401k because of the high percentage of participation. We have almost 100% of our employees contribute to their 401k. And we also match funds in there as well. So we're constantly encouraging people. Why? Because it's a great way to grow tax deferred. It's also a a kind of automatic savings. It puts you in good stead. So a 401k, if you're self-employed, there's several versions of that that you can contribute to yourself. So there's still some great opportunities to go and invest your pre-tax income. You want to start saving for your kids' college education right now. It is a good thing. I have funds, obviously, for all, not only for my kids, but now my grandkids. It's also a form of charity I like to do for people I know, families that are somewhat disadvantaged to set up a college fund. So it's a great way to go and a great way to give. Within reason, pay off your home. Good thing to do. And again, we know the rates are super low right now, but eventually rates are going to start ticking up and eventually the rate of return will be worthwhile. So keep, you know, chipping away at the very least. And then build wealth and give. Those are the seven fundamentals. Those still work. And what Dave talked about was the time frame. And they interviewed a bunch of people and they had a bunch of people give their testimonies. And again, you're talking about 10 years to pay off a house, maybe 12 years to become a millionaire. You know, that doesn't sound too sexy. One of the things to think in terms of regarding your investments is the old rule of 72. So you take whatever rate of return you're getting. So let's say it's 8% and you divide it into 72. Well, that answer is nine, right? So nine eights is 72. That means that's the amount of time it'll take for your capital to double. So if you put 100,000 bucks in and rule of 72, you get 8% return. It means it'll be 200 grand in nine years and 400 grand in 18 years, 800 grand in 27 years. And in 36 years, it's 1.6 million. That's the rule of 72. And you can follow that. You can trust that. You don't need the most outrageous rates of return. Obviously, now, if you're 70 and you're going, I don't have that many nine-year cycles, well, you don't have many options anyway. So, uh, you know, are you going to go Bitcoin? By the way, just as a personal note, there were some social media posts over the holidays that had me posting about Bitcoin and how much money I made on Bitcoin and whatever else. And they were all fabricated lies. And I find myself being curious, like, if, if this was a legit business, then why in the hell would they need to stoop to techniques like that? So there you go. That actually tells you what I think. Do I think people will make money in Bitcoin and and other coins? For sure I do. Do I know people who've made money? Of course I do. Have I been offered opportunities to fund NFTs and things like that? Of course I have. But like Dave Ramsey said, I've worked my butt off for too long, for too hard, for too many years to put it all on black at the frickin' casino, which is what people are asking us to do. And like I say, if I can't understand it and explain it to a friend in 90 seconds, I sure as hell am not going to invest my life savings into it. And if you can't explain it, and what I would say is when I talk to people, especially about the coins, they can't explain it. And if they can't explain it, it means they don't understand it. And one of the principles I bought into a long time ago from Warren Buffett is that only invest in what you know. And so there it is. It doesn't mean it's a bad idea. It just is not right for me. 
And I've had some big-time players fly into San Diego, meet with me, who wanted me to invest tens of millions of dollars into a fund. Some of them were extremely successful people. But when I asked them real basic questions, I couldn't get answers that were clear enough for me to understand. And so maybe I'm not just smart enough, and maybe you are. But I would say this. I have a lot of zeros in my net worth. Dave Ramsey has a lot of zeros in his net worth. The person who's giving you advice, how many do they got? Just um, always good to ask. Just always good to ask. You know, beware the bare-chested man who offers you his shirt. Beware of the guy with the holes in his shoes who's offering you financial advice. The second thing I kind of want to talk about, give you guys a little different insight, is behind Dave Ramsey himself. And you heard me talk to him about it, and I complimented Dave. You know, here he is. He's going to the studio every day. He's knocking out three hours of radio broadcast every single day. You know, when he goes on vacation, he has to structure it long in advance. He's been doing this for 30 years. He's reached every economic goal he ever set. Their organization is a thousand employees on this fabulous campus in Tennessee. They've custom built their buildings and they have this great culture of work there. And yet here's this guy banging away every day. And I talked to him about it and you could tell he, he was a little lost shucks about it. But I want to give you this insight so that you understand the steel and the structure. And that is Dave is at 61, still a very goal-oriented, focused man who knows everything he does, everything his team is doing, and how it's directed towards their objectives, goals, standards, and results. And he's still bringing it every day. He's showing up every day. Now, he said he loves his work. I believe that. He's attached meaning from his work to his every day. I believe that. He still gets the juice, helping someone with giving his opinion, giving his insight, and so on and so forth. But I think if you want to scratch beneath the surface, you'll find the same principle for him that exists for me and why we named this broadcast It's a Good Life. And that is, Dave still remembers where he came from. You know, inside the good life, inside the infinite love of God, there's a place for suffering. It's not always awesome. It's not always great. Dave Ramsey grew up in real estate. His parents were real estate developers, and he got caught up in nothing down real estate scams, where he eventually owned a bunch of real estate with no money down, which makes you feel great. You have a great ego. And I think you're talking 1988, he had $4 million worth of real estate in Tennessee, which was a king's ransom except he didn't have $4 million worth of equity in that real estate. And so as the market changed and the rates adjusted, he ended up filing bankruptcy. So the best-known financial advisor in American history filed bankruptcy. It's the ultimate capitulation. That pain, that difficulty, that failure stayed with Dave Ramsey his whole life. And that's why it's a good life, because great things and good things come out of very difficult circumstances very big setbacks. You may have had a financial setback or a personal setback. It can be the source of the motivation. It can be the source of where you come from and how you drive in the future. And if you learn to manage it so that you're not running away from the boogeyman your whole life, you can do well. I had a financial failure. I've talked about it in my It's a Good Life episode and how ultimately I had a business failing that without that business failing, I never would have gone on to become the successful businessman I am today. Not a chance. And so as you listen to this, understand there's Dave Ramsey going to the studio five days a week, three hours a day, bringing it home, doing his show, then meeting with his staff and his team and executive team. It's that failure he experienced that still provides a source of the drive. Now you go away from fighting back the boogeyman. No question. And we all have that. 
And, you know, those of us who've come from terrible places, we've experienced that. But as you grow, you realize, okay, the boogeyman's not coming now. I mean, Dave Ramsey's not going to lose what he has now. But if you remember where you come from, well, number one, it gives you compassion and empathy for those who are in that spot today. And that's why even all these years later, Dave Ramsey still talks about his economic failures. Why? Because it lets people know he understands when someone's coming from a tough spot. And it also then gives him the authority to say, hey, stop doing the stupid stuff. Start doing the right stuff. And here, after 30 years, I'm still teaching the same content with the same baby steps. So I just thought you might get that because the other part of it is Dave Ramsey's a very, very successful multimillionaire in his own right today, but he still remembers where he came from. And that's a big deal. The last thing I wanted to throw in here is in light of the new world we live in, how do your finances serve you? So just a little bit of nuance for us as we talk, because obviously we know the baby steps and we know those things to do great. We know not to do dumb stuff and kind of invest for the long haul. But let's talk about it. I want to talk about three things that I see in our world today that makes the life not so good. First of all, the world is anxious. The world has become a very anxious place, and the inhabitants of this world have become even more anxious. Our media, our social media, our politics, things have been so stripped out of the realm of common sense and common approach, and everything's dramatized and politicized and monetized. So we've become very anxious about the simplest of things. So here's my question to you. Do you have budgets and reserves in place to bring you peace in the financial area of your life? Can the financial area of your life be one area that you're not anxious? Now, there's always some concern. Oh my God, I've got all this money, but now we have inflation. So my money's worth 6% less than it was last year. And so all of that, I understand. I understand and I, I have those concerns. But do you have a budget? Which means, are there financial controls in place to stop you overspending? And secondly, do you have reserves that if all hell breaks loose, you have an emergency fund, you have reserves, you're going to be okay. It doesn't mean things are going to be great, just you're going to be okay. So if you can at least say, I got that, then embrace that and be less anxious. Be less anxious. Yes, there's inflation. Yes, there's supply chain. Yes, there's uh, shortages. Yes, there's all those things. That's all true. But if you have your budget in place and you have your reserves in place, be at peace. Next, the world is transient. And right now, I'm not going to say this is a bad thing. I'm just going to say this is. Whatever it is, people are moving. People are, we have what's called the great resignation. 10 million people quit their jobs in a three and a half month period of time in the United States. 10 million people. Now, there's all kinds of people wringing their hands, of course, about this and trying to find political angles. I actually don't know what to make of it at all. It seems like some people are going, hey, I have a chance at a better job and I'm doing that. We have some people who are younger baby boomers who are going, hey, you know what? I've worked my butt off for years. I've saved money. Uh, I've done well in the market. I'm going to Florida. I'm going to go play golf every day. Things like that going on. There's people because of schooling or coming, staying home to homeschool their kids. There's all kinds of stuff going on. But I would say this, if we're talking about finances, do you have the finances in place that would allow you to resign your job? Do you have the finances in place that would allow you to take a different job, maybe something that was more fulfilling? So as we have this transient place, we have people who are moving out of state. Interstate movement is the highest it's been since America was founded. People are moving 
from one part of the country to the other. Remote work is helping this. The Zooms and the Skypes, all that is really helping people. Microsoft Teams, all the different products that are out there that allow people to meet. Like I'm meeting with you today. I mean, I'm in a TV studio in my office at Buffini Company. I have a recording studio. We're broadcasting out of here. We're recording a podcast. Uh, We're recording for our YouTube channel. And I'm going to go home this afternoon. It used to be, you know, 25 years ago, in order for me to see people, I had to get on an airplane, go to their hometown, fill a ballroom and go speak to them. So the world's changed. And and in that regard, I mean, those kinds of things, that's changed for the better. I have over 50 staff working out of the state of California, where they've moved to a place they want to move to, maybe better taxes and better lifestyle or whatever else that they've decided they want. And the question is, can your finances facilitate one of those moves if you so chose? And if you can't, then that financial problem is a source of great disconcerting. It is a disconnect. It is like a form of distress. Why? Because, man, I want to move, and I want to move to this other place for these other reasons, and I can't because of my finances. So I think in light of what we talked about with Dave Ramsey, you definitely want to be able to take care of your finances so you don't be as anxious. But the second thing is, you want to put your finances in place. You might be perfectly happy staying put where you are. But wouldn't it be nice if your finances allowed you to make a lateral move, make a downward move, make a job transfer where you went to something you were more passionate and fired up about, or allowed you to move geographically to a place you want to move to. So getting your house in order financially there, that's another one. The last thing I'll say about this world is that this world wants to get rich quick. And I just want to say this. People say there's nothing wrong with getting rich quick. Yes, there is. There is. I can give you a hundred reasons, but I'll give you a few to understand. Just like you don't want a four-year-old to be hanging out with 15-year-olds. They need to develop. They need to grow. They need to grow emotionally. They need to grow physically, personally. They need to be able to relate and connect. You don't want to rush growing up too soon, and you don't want to rush the financial projection of what comes along. You know, I used to use an analogy of the caterpillar going to become a a pupae and then a chrysalis and then a butterfly. Now, everybody wants to go from the caterpillar stage to the butterfly stage, right? The butterfly is beautiful and it's freedom and it's full transformation, right? And full development. But the fact of the matter is the caterpillar has to go become a pupae first because its internal organs need to change. It needs to go from being a crawling insect to an insect that can fly. Well, a lot of things have to change. Internal organs have to change. The muscles have to be developed. And so actually, as the pupae fights to get out of the cocoon we talk about, when it pushes and fights and scratches to get out of that, it actually develops the very things it needs, the struggle that it needs to ultimately become a chrysalis. And then out of the chrysalis, it becomes a butterfly, which means it can thrive and survive as a butterfly. If you go straight from caterpillar to butterfly, you die. If you slit open a caterpillar, All its guts just come out, kind of nasty to think about. But the fact of the matter is, inside a caterpillar is not a butterfly. Inside a caterpillar is the potentiality to become a butterfly. And so the same with your finances. So I'm going to tell you, that's why when people get the quick hit, we've heard, I've been talking about this for decades, the number of people who win the lottery and who are worse off within five years. And it's it's in the high 80 percentile of people who win the lottery who are worse off, their life would have been better if they had not won the lottery. And when people have played the Powerball for $600 there's no way 
they can conceive of that. And the reason being they can't conceive of a caterpillar becoming an instant butterfly. And that's why I'm saying to you, that which is quickly and rapidly built is quickly and rapidly torn down. When you build your financial fortune over time, it will not come down in a short amount of time. That which is quickly built is quickly destroyed. So yeah, getting rich quick sucks. And the reason it sucks is that it bypasses all the processes that are actually are the making of you. My mentor, Jim Rohn, told me, Mr. Buffini, become a millionaire for what it will make of you. Now, when he said it, I thought it would make me just, that means I'd be rich. But I didn't understand that being rich is a hell of a lot more than what's in your bank account. It's how you carry yourself. It's how you think. It's how you process. It's how you make decisions. And you have to make good ones and bad ones, and you have to learn from them over an extended period of time. You'll see the decisions you've made that you've held the line for a long time that made sense. You'll see when you didn't stick with an investment long enough or you didn't stick with a budget long enough or where you got overextended or overexcited or overoptimistic, where you maybe you went too consumeristic at one stage and then you get to the point where you don't really need much at all. You need to go through the process. So I had a few thoughts today I wanted to share from my experience with Dave Ramsey. I wanted to kind of remind us, yeah, these fundamentals do work. I wanted to give you a little glimpse in behind the scenes of Dave Ramsey himself as a person, as a man. He's a friend of mine. We've worked together for a long time. We're pals. We have a lot of friends in common. And I wanted to share with you a little bit of behind the scenes of what makes that guy tick and why he is successful. And then lastly, I wanted to talk to you about today's world, an anxious world, a transient world, and a world that's a get-rich-quick world. And how ultimately, those three things, those aren't going to serve us in the pursuit of a good life. So we don't want to be anxious. We want to have peace and calm. We want to be able to make choices and be able to live with the transient nature of the world. And we're going to get rich over time. You know, cook it right. And uh, you'll enjoy it. You'll be better for it. You'll be able to teach and give your wisdom because you are living the good life. And part of the good life, I found, costs money. So hopefully these musings were helpful for you today. I welcome you on our journey to the good life. I wish more of the good life for you. And as I leave here today, I want to have my mom leave you with a little Irish blessing, which is always a reminder of the good life for me. So thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.